Welcome to Conversations at Basecamp. I'm Noah. And I'm Kim. And we're the co-founders of The Nook Online, a private community that is a digitized and modernized women's resource group. Our content is designed to provide the universal core skills, confidence, and competence needed to advance and lead today and tomorrow. We believe that representation matters. On this podcast, you'll be able to hear some of the amazing conversations we have in our platform with an incredible array of diverse, empowered women. These conversations have inspired our own personal, professional, and financial lives and given us the confidence to step up and show up as our boldest, truest selves. We hope to spark fire in your soul, too, and help you on your journey to live on purpose and get in the driver's seat of your life. This is Basecamp for Women on the Rise. Join us. Step up. And while you're up there, reach down and bring another woman up, too. Well, welcome everybody and welcome Dee to our In This Together chat with the wonderful, lovely Dee Marshall. So a little bit about Dee. Prior to launching Diverse and Engaged, Dee spent over 12 years working on Wall Street in training and management and organizational development for Merrill Lynch, Prudential Securities, Moody's Investor Services, and the New York Times. And Dee was recently named top 25 most influential black women in business by the Network Journal and top 25 leading women entrepreneurs. I think we should just say leading entrepreneurs full stop. I love, I don't like the, the, mis- the additional women entrepreneurs part of it, but welcome Dee. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. Welcome. So I'm also going to add that Dee is a survivor and a go-to on career transitions and reinvention prior to launching her diversity consulting practice. She built her credibility coaching through career transitions as a result of her own journey down 33 flights of stairs at One New York Plaza on September 11th after witnessing the terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. So that's a pretty incredible point about you. And that leads me to, I'd love to, we love to start at the beginning. So tell us, tell us about your background briefly and and how you got here, where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. So my background, um, you know, career wise, in fact, I'm really reflecting on my career in this season because I mean, I was just a young, a young babe, uh, a young girl, first big job. I started my career on Wall Street. And so that's my background, background in training and development. I trained financial advisors, um, administrative assistants, and then branch managers on Wall Street. Loved my career, loved working on Wall Street. You know, there was so much power there and uh, did that for a number of years. And then I went left. I went to work for a large nonprofit organization Um, but actually the nonprofit organization was led by the secretary of state. And so that also shifted my career, um, into sort of a political space because I mean, he was the secretary of state. Um, and, and so I did that for a little bit where I ran the internal operations of a large nonprofit. And uh, from there, let's see, I went back to Wall Street. I did some consulting work. um, And then my last full-time 
role was uh, manage a third of the ad sales division for the New York Times. And so that was really super sweet. So I'm a New York Jersey girl um, and just love the work that I, that, I, that I am doing and have done for many years in the training and development, the human development space, and then excited to be an entrepreneur and a business owner and, and to be a woman doing it. You know, I love what I get to do now at Diverse and Engage. Um, I'll say this, uh, I never thought that I'd be an entrepreneur, a business owner. I like to say I'm an accidental entrepreneur um, because I was very shy growing up, accidental entrepreneur, very shy. But I do believe that challenge and crises, right, because we're in a crisis, but if I roll back the tape, uh, you know, to September 11th, that was a crisis. And so there's something about how crises really pulls out and, and uh, pulls up, um, you know, in us, our, our real core of who we are. And so, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about the story, but just grateful to be a woman, a business owner, and get to do uh, work like executive coaching and leadership development and really adding value to the lives of women and leaders everywhere and being able to speak to surviving, thriving, doing work that you love, living an abundant life. There, there's so much of my background that I'm able to leverage now for this yummy talk that we're gonna have, so. I love that. And we often say that, you know, adversity doesn't build character, it reveals character. And so yeah. Yeah. I'd love to touch a little bit more about, because you mentioned the word abundance. And I think that probably feels, um, creates a bit of friction when people hear the word abundance right now. But I'd wanna, hear your thoughts on, you know, how and why should we live a life of abundance even right now? Yeah, so that's an easy answer. Um, you know, on the surface, it's because we deserve it. I think you deserve it. You deserve to live the abundant life. And, and the abundant life, you know, from where I sit, it just means not lacking and struggling in anything and not lacking or struggling in anything for the duration of your life. So certainly we go through seasons of challenge or maybe even struggle or maybe even lack, right? But I just don't believe it should be our default and we should be satisfied to stay there forever. I believe that we should all aspire to live a life of abundance. We deserve it for ourselves. And then as a result of living an abundant life, um, you know, you serve the people around you. You show up for, for those around you who are looking, who are looking to you for how, you know, how to live this life. Yeah. <laughs> so our, our theme this quarter happens to be resilience, which was planned a long time ago, but it's very appropriate for what, you know, something we all want to have and cultivate more of right now. But what does resilience mean to you in general and maybe more specifically during these times? Yeah, I mean, so in general, just really being able to, um, to bounce back. And, and I, I'll say that because bouncing back or snapping back or coming back, it already implies that you probably are going to go through. And so I think we miss 
And it also implies that you are already there, that you're going back to a place of strength as opposed to like building strength you never had. It's that you already had it, yep. which I love. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the juiciness of, or um, the miss sometimes. Like resilience is, it, it already says something or it already says something about your capacity, if, if, if you will, right? Um, so yeah, so in general, um, that, that's, what, that's what I have to offer. Um, in terms of resilience, but in, in these times, I would say, you know, I, I think my definition and where I am giving the global, given the global crises, it's, it's being able to um, be anchored and anchored in what you know and what you believe in and being able to really, um, I think, I think hold on to that in order to stabilize um, so that you can come out on the other side and come out better. And, and I know that's a little, I feel like I've been having these conversations in this season. And for, for some people, that's a little awkward. Like when I say come out better, it's like, Dee, how could you talk about better? We are in a global crisis. It's no, I'm holding space for that. I'm here with hope and positive expectation. In fact, it's, it's like, even what you've created um, with the Nook, it's like, no, we are, we are here to hold space for everything good and all things good, right? That's the only place for us to go or the place that we choose to go. I even believe collectively, we choose to go better and believe better and hold space for positive expectation. Certainly we're sensitive to some people's experience in this space, is, is different like we're all we're all in it together but our experiences are unique but we're holding the space for for better on the other side of this leveraging this this time like it's an it's an opportunity um i used to say wonderful opportunity but i used to say it's an unfortunate wonderful opportunity that we have right now in this season to be resilient and to come out better on the other side does that make sense absolutely we've been talking about the uh, forced opportunity right so yes none of us chose this it's the same idea of yeah. we're here so what do we do with it now how do we how do we make the best of it um there's as in any situation there's always something to learn from it yeah. and to grow from and yeah it's a great yeah yeah and yeah. i think so much a part of that you you mentioned you know this whole idea of looking at this sense of abundance, it's flipping the script from, you know, being the, the author to just being a character. And we get to yeah. write how we come out of this. I'd love to um, dig a little more on this topic of resilience with you, you personally, um, because you've obviously just hearing you speak and seeing your body language and your facial expressions, there's a fortitude in you, but, was that always the case or was there a moment in or moments in your life where you really had to dig, dig deep and develop new skills, new tools in the toolbox in order to build on your resilience? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I want to share this because you said something, Noah, that I, I love and that's about scripting or your words were become the author rather than a character. And it made me think of this quote, um, Kim, Noah, and everyone here. And it goes, it's a quote that I grabbed from Sherry Carter Scott, a book that changed my life 
It's called If Life is a game. These are the rules. It is the 10 rules for living. Um, I would say that that book became part of my arsenal, if you will, to build me up to this this person, um, which it leads into your question. But the the quote is, um, your personal fulfillment and your professional success is about your willingness to write and produce your own script. Your personal success and your professional fulfillment is about your willingness to write and produce your own script. I can't believe that just came back to me, that, that uh, quote. But it means that we're the authors. And so Noah, I love, I love that you just you know, really painted a picture for us about being a character or a consumer of a product or the thing or being the creator of the thing and the author of the thing. So um, so with that, I'll lead into this question about resilience and skills and have I always been this person. I'll really take that book and my Wall Street background and sort of wrap this up. Um, I was painfully shy, not very confident. I think somewhat um, insecure when I was a young girl on Wall Street in a male dominated uh, environment. And um, I remember being in training and development, knowing I'm dancing in the right space. I'm in the right playground, but this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And this book I picked up once, it was over my head, and then I picked it up again and it changed my life. So the book gave me the skills and took me from where I was to where I wanted to be and needed to be. The book um, is about it's about our lessons, right? Because again, I'm insecure, um, not very confident, and, um, and I'm in a male-dominated environment. And so some of the things that the book taught me in terms of skills is, um, you know, there will be lessons in life and lessons will repeat themselves until learned. Mm-hmm. And buried in those lessons were how to move through the lesson. So things like the skills that I needed, whether it be communication skills, listening skills, uh, you know, um, communication was really huge. Listening was, was really huge. Critical thinking, huge decision-making huge. Like right now I'm super good on decision-making because I've got a decision matrix. So when I'm in the room uh, or on calls with my mastermind buddies and they came up with a big idea and the big idea is super juicy. I'm like, oh, that's really good. And I wait and I let the mastermind continue. And then I say, let me ask you a question. Does that idea get us over here? Does that idea do this, that, and the other? And they say, no, no, and no. I go, well, I'm out. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm Mark Cuban. No, let's, no, I'm Barbara Corcoran. Cause I met Barbara one time and she's super sweet. She's super sweet. I mean, like she's a New York girl. And so, um, I love her story, but does that, does that make sense? Um, am I answering the question, Noah? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I actually have a follow on question. So you mentioned, you know, you've learned cause I, I can't even imagine you as a shy and an insecure <laughs> woman. So it's incredible <laughs> that that was once your character in, in the story. Yeah. And actually, I'll tell you to go back to then how would I do this? So 
I thought, I think this in terms of how, who I am right now, that's as a result of um, uh, working on it. But back then Toastmasters was a big, was a big to do. Yeah. Um, so that was part of it. Another part was networking. Another part was giving and serving, right? So I'm a master networker um, and relationship building, which is two different things, right? I've got- What's a the difference? Um, so networking and relationship building networking is what I think many people do exchanging cards and, um, and, and meeting people, but relationship building is about connecting and developing a relationship and getting to know it's about quality over quantity, right? Networking is about quantity and then, but relationship building is really about quality relationships. So if we're all in a room live and in person to, to today, tonight, whatever, wherever we may be, um, I'm going to be more interested in three quality contacts. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I could better manage three. And you know why? I'm going to be engaged. I'm going to be present. My feet, uh, I'm going to be where my feet are. That's what um, Sarah Blakely's husband says. Lewis, I think his name is. He's super sharp. He says, be where your feet are. And that's about being present. So there's a difference between networking and relationship building. Early on, networking helped me to get out of being shy. So having to connect with other people. And then the last one, I think we'll, we'll, we should probably move from this because then it could be a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And that is when we, when, we, when we really speak at the, um, and I think stretch up to the 30,000 foot view, and we, we go into the space of abundance and being much more thoughtful about what that means, being much more thoughtful about identity and gifting and purpose, that's all in the abundance space. In fact, let's just say that's up a whole nother stratosphere when we start talking abundance, we start talking about uh, unique identity, uh, right? We start talking about passion and purpose and all of that. That, that. That's sort of all connected there. But my gifting required that I not be shy. And so some of this is going to be what you, how we are innately wired. Some may say um, my God-given gift, and some may say and speak the language how I am innately wired. Let's put this in the parking lot. Um, so I am a Colby certified consultant, and Colby is an assessment um, comparable but not like the leadership assessments and personality assessments, but it, it, it measures the third part of the mind, which is the cognitive part of the mind, which is the doing aspect of the mind. And the doing aspect of the mind, it speaks to how we are naturally wired to do things. So uh, I'll leave it there in terms of how did I, how did I get here? How did I, the skills that got me here, that got me through, Wall Street, television, the White House, um, business owner, you know, when you're a woman in business. So let me stop there. Well, what I'm hearing from all of this is you were, you know, the shy child, yep. get the Wall Street, and you obviously had to consciously, you made a decision, whether that was this, if life is a game, these are the rules, if that was the book, but you made a decision, you were gonna work on skill building. And that was the beginning of your transformation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then what I would love to hear when you got through, you know, and obviously skills are continuing to be built, but when did you realize you could 
move into that gifting aspect where you could really start living more abundantly? Was that early or somewhere in that process? Um, or did it come later once you sort of had built a base? No, you know, it came in process. So okay. I would say shortly after leaving Wall Street, um, when I went to work for the large nonprofit, and by the way, it was actually a church. Uh, many people wouldn't understand the magnitude, but it was a mega church. Um, and so much so, I had four direct reports, like literally when I walked in. In fact, I inherited two people, and then I hired two people. I hired two retired executives from um, one of the telecoms, probably AT&T, right? Super smart on my part. Always hire people that are smarter than you are. And so in it, at that next stage, right, somewhere around there, that's when I realized, um, or I began to realize, and I began to do much more intentional work. So I think this whole idea of resilience and abundance, it's about being really intentional in terms of investing in yourself. So investing time and energy and resources, I believe we should all have a development plan every year. Um, I always say identify the three areas where we want to do better um, and then focus on them one quarter at a time. 90 day, uh, take an accelerated course. And when I say accelerated, I mean self-study. So whatever that thing is, if it's listening, if it's communication skills, um, presenting skills, um, you know, or, or if it's exploring uh, purpose or exploring abundance or whatever it is to focus time and energy intentionally, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. We have um, a question from the audience and um, I'm gonna give a follow-up question to it as well. So would you expand on the mastermind sessions that you described? Are they kind of peer, you and your peers um, teaching each other? Uh, yes. So thank you for the question. I love, I love this question. I'm a huge fan of masterminds and pairing mastermind with learning. So my mastermind group, it's a peer group. We meet every Monday morning at 7.30 AM for the last three years. And prior to that, I had another mastermind. So typically, wherever I'm invested, so if I'm investing in a business training program, I usually hook up with a few, three other women, like, hey, do you want to work through this together? And I wind up with the, with the most wonderful, amazing women to walk the journey with. Um, but so this group, we were actually say, covered in a like an accountability team. Right. So you can do it very formally, but also it sounds like you build your own based on you're doing a program, you're learning and you find the people in the room who seem like a good cohort to, to bounce ideas off of. Yes. Yes. So that's the peer, but I'll tell you that here's the juicy, here's the win, no ego, but here's the win. Here's the win. Um, we were written up, featured in a magazine, literally, because somebody said, wait, you all work together and you're all in the same space and you all get along. We were featured in a magazine. And from there, um, my mastermind buddies, they said, you know, you do this really well. You understand the formula um, and, and you should really do this. They nudged. I didn't, I didn't do anything with it. And then they came back again. You should really do this for other people. I didn't do anything, but wait for it. It wasn't until they shared an experience that they had that was not a positive experience of where people were not sharing resources and not, they weren't having 
a great resource. And I knew that I had a lot of, um, I had a, had a really yummy network. Um, my network and the spaces that I play were super high value. And I wanted for them what I had access to. And that's when I started this mastermind program, wait for it, wait for it. So now I no longer have my peer mastermind. It's a whole business model. And we landed, uh, I pitched it to a fortune 10, a big four last year. And they said, hold on. And they circled back. And the next thing I know, probably that was, might've been Q3 by Q4, we had a contract. So it's, it's a business model. So I built it for others. So I, and I still have my same little yummy mastermind buddies, but then I built this whole business model. So I'm partnering with one of the largest third party certifying organizations and then a fortune 10 to deliver a mastermind program. It's called Amplify and it's for women business owners. Awesome. So here, here's for everybody listening. Um, I, I know we're not talking about business, um, but one of the lessons I love to teach is how to grow and, 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 and elevate and up-level. It's repurpose your business models. Whatever it is that you do well, repurpose that. And that's where you're going to find uh, gold for yourself. Mm -hmm. I did the mastermind for myself. It's a business model, right? We've got proof of concept. Know how to package it and know when you have great value and then you you know, leverage the relationships that you've built and, and then lovingly share. And, uh, and then at some point they will lovingly say, you know what, I'd like to support that. I love that. And I want to offline continue a conversation about the mastermind. It sounds super exciting. I, um, on the skills that you learned in terms of going from shy, insecure, and lacking confident young D, to yep. who you are today. What are your favorite skills to teach and to coach? Oh, you know what? Um, abundance is one. Failure, like fall, failing forward. I'm loving that. I just, oh, that's just so juicy. But I love the abundance stuff, purpose, um, abundance, purpose, identity. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good in that space. Um, so all of the things that are life skills that really are success skills. So I'm big on that first. So, so like my first line item in terms of teaching and sharing is life skills. And then the second is probably success skills at the at another level, right? Performance and productivity. And then at the third um, the third level would be business. So if you get me talking about life and passion and purpose and abundance and performance and, you know, success routines and all of that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I, I've got like resources for days, thoughts for idea, days and best practices, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to just jump onto one of the um, pieces, the skills you mentioned, which is relationship building, because, you know, um, we had this interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago and um, the guest mentioned that we can no longer rely on casual collisions, you know, by the elevator or the water cooler to build relations, strategically build relationships with the, those that are higher up from us. Yep. How do you think women can strategically build relationships right now? Yeah. Um, you know, so right now I was, I was thinking to, two different thoughts, but I'll say right now, um, the game change is reaching out 
to just touch in touch base and to see how how are you doing so that's right now because we're in we're in a crisis right so that would be a very genuine way um and so for me it's even down to the detail um and i i'm, I'm coaching my clients through this it's an email or a phone call um just thought of you right subject thought of you or you just showed up in my spirit depending on who i'm speaking to right i know the language um, that's appropriate. That would be, would be, they would be receptive to. So I just thought of you. In fact, so I sent an email, a couple emails thought of you. Um, and one, I said thought of you because I heard about this virtual draft. Well, it's because the, the um, supplier diversity guy, he's in MLB. And I did. I'm like, oh, you know, and so I just sent an email. So right now, just being uh, genuinely concerned about whoever is showing up whether you get off of a Zoom call with your employer, right? And you see the team is there, you heard from someone, it's very naturally, you know, good to hear from you or to see you um, via Zoom. It was just good to see you. And I'm just, you know, uh, just would love to know that you are well, your family is well, and your team is well. That's all, and that's all, stay safe. Can you just let me know that you're well? And that, that's, that's like how you do this now. Now, strategically, outside of this space, oh, it's a Fortune 50 list. So I teach this networking relationship building, and this Fortune 50 list is very intentionally identifying who do you need to know and who do you need to have in your network as your circle of influence. And so it's the top 50 people. It's probably more like 25 who you could manage quality relationships with a um, desired goal, but the goal Kim, Noah, everybody tuned in. It's for mutually beneficial outcome. It's not about, right, right, on this Fortune 50 worksheet that I walked through, it's not about the end goal for D. It's about, no, what's the end goal for a mutually beneficial outcome? What do I have to offer them? What do they have to offer me? Or not even offer, where's their synergy? Where's their very natural synergy? Because I think there's something juicy about having a conversation to say, you know, I'm not sure what, but I feel like there's some really great synergy and there's lots of opportunity um, for us to connect and explore. Because even creating that within this worksheet, you're energetically, energetically, you don't want energetically, like here's my goal for this or for these people or for this company. So, so strategically outside of crises, oh no, winning? Oh, that's strategically a plan at the beginning of the year. In fact, it's not even at the beginning of the year, it's Q4, right? Q4 individually for everybody here, you're working on your plan for the coming year, right? And so, so, so that's what we would be doing to develop relationships, authentic relationships. Um, you know, if it, if, if it wasn't for the fact that we're getting ready to go into a new normal, I'd say I'm, I'm a big proponent of snail mail and gifts. I don't know if you've heard me say that, but yeah, uh, you know, customized stationery, send a, send a card with a stamp. Oh, baby, you're, you're, you're winning because nobody is sending cards with stamps. Yeah, we love that too. <laughs> yeah. No, there's something super exciting and personal about that. And even if it doesn't take long to execute, it's such a nice gesture. Yeah. Um, it shows that you thought, not yeah. just that you said you thought about somebody. It actually shows that you thought about somebody. And it, and it works because I had somebody get on the phone with me and they said, you know, T, I got this card from you. And because you sent me this card, 
I said, I'm taking your call. It was a chief um, editor in chief of a magazine. And she told me, she said, and I know she's busy. She, I mean, she's big, she's big stuff, but she said, I told my assistant, I'm taking her call because of the card. Now I'll give you a little hack. Um, there's an app, it's called Inc. So you don't even need to need to put a stamp on it. It's an app. And yeah. so I'm good with uh, taking photos very naturally, genuinely, if we're networking, not forced or anything. And so if I got your photo and we're out, Kim and Noah, um, and you gave me a business card, I'm probably going to send you a card with that photo. But that's an app. That's a tool. And, um, and I've done it with some majors. And, 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 and whenever I followed up, I'll, you know, sometimes you know, I'll reintroduce myself or I'll refresh their memory, right? So this is a whole nother thing. This is a class that I teach in relationship building and networking, the email, just to refresh your memory, right? Not being and standing in ego, like you know who I am. And I've had responses. D. Marshall, I know, I know who you are and how dare you think that I don't know who you are. Some of that is as a result of cards, right? Um, President uh, NBC Television Distribution, Ed Swindler, I met with him. I took a photo. Ed, do you mind a photo? Let's take a photo because I want to remember. And we took a photo. And guess what happened? Of course, I sent the card with my photo or my picture and his picture on the card. He's a, he's a president of NBC Television Distribution. He's Steve, he was Steve Harvey's. Wait, he's Steve Harvey's boss? He's everybody's boss, NBC? Do you see? That. It's networking. Networking, strategic but genuine, authentic, doing what you can with what you have from where you are. Say that again. Doing what you can with what you have from where you are. Oh, I love that. That's good. <laughs> good words. Uh, I'm gonna take a moment to see if there's anyone in the community that has thoughts they wanna pop in the chat or ask any more questions of D. otherwise we'll continue the conversation. But just want to give you all a moment. To, there's so much knowledge here. Oh, <laughs> this is good. I love it. Super fun. Listen, we're in this together, everybody. We're in this together and we're coming out on the other side. Mm -hmm. together. 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 Yeah. Together. So on that note, were there lessons from very specifically from you know, the recession 12 years ago, 2008, 2009, that you can recall that you learned then and are still maybe carrying with you today or that transformed your business, you know, you then into what you are now? Was that like the next stepping stone major yeah. crisis? Yeah, no, you know, um, it's funny you bring that up because I, I'm, you know, in listening to a lot of, um, I'll say experts, they talk about every 10 years a recession and it helped me to think about, okay, okay, now there's a trend here. Like I have the trend of knowing a recession and I now have the experience and then some data um, or best practices that have come out of crises, right? And so, um, yeah, so if I think back, one thing that really stands out to me or for me from the last recession and this one giving and serving in recession is I think a major lesson that I learned. And I'll tell you why. The last recession, women were in need. I was in the coaching space 
And I just started something. It was a call to stand in the gap for women. It's much like even what is happening here at the Nook, right? And from that, um, very long story short, from just hosting a call to get people through the recession, I birthed a ministry, um, girlfriend, yeah, oh yeah, girlfriend's break, ministry uh, of over 100,000 women around the globe. At one point, we were in 25 markets in three countries. And so it was just good work of serving. It's 501c, right? And nobody, I'm, I'm not getting paid for that, but just giving. Um, and giving and serving is the game change because it was giving and serving that, and I'm just gonna give an example of, of what it got me. So definitely I was able to get some television uh, work out of it. Like, you know, I did a television show, NBC or ABC Baltimore, there was that. And then there was some radio stuff that came out of it. Um, there was press conference on, uh, you know, Capitol Hill. And then my six years of access to the Obama White House, it really came from D. Marshall, with that hat on, right? She has a network and that's what I learned. So my access to whenever Michelle Obama called for or President Obama or anybody in that administration, um, um, 44's administration would gather women leaders or African-American leaders. I had the opportunity to be there for policy briefings, um, and, uh, and also for the parties, so, right? So even invited to the Obama's um, Christmas party. And so, but why do I share that? Because that was a result of serving during the recession to do something that very naturally came up. It wasn't planned. It wasn't on a vision board, do you see? It was, what can I do to serve? It just, and in fact, it wasn't even a question of what can I do to serve? It was just something that showed up in my in my spirit like oh you should you should do this because women are struggling and then as a result of doing that so 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 serving is the thing that i would share for everyone here it's how do you serve right um yeah just how do you show up and, and hold the space very naturally doing what you can with what you have from where you are yeah. so yeah. We, what we also know is right so so Businesses are going to be born or are being born and birthed in this season. Billionaires and millionaires are being born and birthed right now because they're showing up to either solve a problem, right, to provide a product or service. And some of them are very naturally, you know, um, just serving. I believe there's teachers and or a mom and a dad home right now. They're working on something and they figured out something super genius that we're going to see come up and out this time next year. You're going to flip the page of a magazine and they're going to be on the cover of the magazine because they did something. There's a mom and a dad or there's some kids right home right now and they're coming up with something juicy. And I will tell you, we're gonna see them on the cover of the magazine this time next year. So, so wonderful things come out of crises. And I would say my answer, my long-winded answer is to serve and to give first. Don't, don't sell, don't, 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 nothing. Um, that only serves you, the individual. This is about serving us collectively, like what we're doing now. We're in this together. Yeah. We're doing what we can with what we have from where we are. I love that. And I think it goes back one step 
even more, you know, to that 30,000 foot view, it starts back at that sense of abundance. Of, yep. Rather than scarcity of looking at how much, you know, that there's always somebody to serve. And by yep. you being in the mindset of abundance, you're able to then look at, well, how, who can I serve? How can I serve? And the benefit of that is that we are all thinking hopeful about the future, hopefully about the future rather than defeatist about the future. It's a call to arms for hope that comes from us starting with abundance to serving others and helping others. Yeah. And that, you know, it fuels you. I think it's one of those most primal needs is to be able to give of yourself to others. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So another question for you, what can we learn from this perception of abundance today to take with us into the future post post pandemic, even when we're out of this crisis and in happier, more successful times, what can we learn from our perception of abundance today? Um, so what can we learn from our perception? perspective of abundance today. I think, um, you know, my first thought is that we all have more than we think. We have more than someone else, right? I, I think that's a thought or an idea that always shows up and we always have something to give um, is, is what I think I'd like to deposit in this space that everyone has something to give, that, that's abundance. It's not that certain group of people have access to abundance. I think we all have. And so it doesn't mean because you have the microphone, you have the stage, you have the business, you have the cover of the magazine, um, because you have the big office or the big, you know, six figure, not just six figure salary, six figure bonus, that, you know, abundance is a set aside for a certain group. We all have abundance and have access to abundance. We have access to more. This is about having the courage to sit still and receive it, receive that you have more, right? And we live in the land of abundance. There, there is, um, I'll, I'll say at a higher level, there is no, no lack, right? Um, I'm not gonna get into the nuance because certainly people would say, well, D, we're out of this and that, right? Um, but I think it's just shifting mindset. In fact, it's relocating from the zip code that is attached to lack and not enough to it, it, like, like that's, in fact, I almost want to say an offer, make a definitive decision to relocate during quarantine time, relocate from lack and not enough. I'm relocating to abundance. I'm just going to believe that I right? Everybody here has, has something and more than someone else. And everyone here has something wonderful and great to give and offer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And the yeah. work that has to be done is to tap into, right? What, what is the abundance that I have to give? Cause it's there. It's definitely there. Um, in doing that work, that's good quarantine time homework. That's good. Like just realizing that, like, you know, writing your own manifesto, like, like, whereas I, you know, DC Marshall am relocating and packing my boxes from lack to I'm relocating to a new zip code and the zip code is abundance. And so, yeah. 
No, I love that. Even just thinking, as you were saying, of like journaling, if I'm sitting here feeling like I'm lacking, even writing that down, why do I feel this way? What's happening? And then flip, like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. You know what? I'm going to think differently now, burn that, whatever. And I'm moving, moving right. to my, this is where I'm abundant. This is how I feel good today. Yeah. Um, and Kim, that's a good point because what comes up is we wind up comparing. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother session. Let me tell you something. I, I'm good at shifting out of comparing because here's what happens in comparing, in comparison. You're comparing your worst to their best. That's what happens. That's when we second guess abundance and the abundance that we have is because we are second guessing. We're looking at someone else. And right now, all of social is consuming. And, and while social, and we live in a highly social digital space and it's genius, and I'm grateful to... Um, God for whomever created it, right? We thank, we're thankful for, right? It's good, but sometimes it's used for not so, you know, not so good things. And so social is all consuming and it does this thing um, with the mind as it tricks us into thinking that we have less or they have more or they're better and we're not. But abundance mindset, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, Kim. So yeah, yeah. I want to ask you a question, you know, um, we know in our, um, in our beings, Kim and I, that mental health is inextricably linked to physical health and physical fitness and sorry, mental fitness and mental health are also inextricably linked to kind of peak performance and peak optimal living. But it's something that you have to work on every day, just like you have to work on your physical fitness every day. And so what are some simple kind of tips and tricks and rituals that you have that you use to develop this abundant mindset you know is it a daily practice yeah so i'll say it's 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 um a number of things so i do have and i swear by um uh morning routine and success routines so i'm big on that and what that looks like is in terms of my success routine. So there are things that I do in the morning and it, and it includes um, things like um, I'll say that I'll say I'll share the biggest one. And that is I have a boundary in that I'm not on and I personally am not open for business before 9 a.m. So that means if you called or you text, I'm not I personally am not open. And so just knowing that 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 you, you as an individual, you can have hours when you're open, right? When you're open for business, when you're open for engaging, I'm not. So that's a big boundary that helps guard and protect mental health and well-being, right? And then managing um, the devices and the screen time first thing in the morning. Not having that be the first thing is a way that I preserve my mindset. Um, prayer and meditation are part of that workout. Um, I am a member of the 5am club. So I am big on Rob Sharma and the idea of the 5am club or, where I get up in the five o'clock hour, I work out and I'm, I have also up leveled this year. And I guess in the last couple of years I've tried it, but I feel like I'm in another flow um, of the 5am club and working out. And so I am super big now on exercise, not for exercise, 
but for mental well-being because there's so much data and there's so much research about the connection between mental health and well-being and exercise. Yeah. So boundaries are good, not doing the cell phone, praying, meditating. I even have declarations, positive declarations where I can read on an app. There's an app called I Am. I also use my voice memo on my phone. So I have recorded positive declarations on my phone. I play them back if I can't get up. I also have a prayer that I recorded on my phone. So I play it first thing in the morning. And all of those inputs help me to maintain um, healthy uh, mental wellness. And so it's very intentional. Um, I set an intention every morning. I, I, you know, I have a product um, I created a couple years back for my clients. It's called uh, 31 Intentions for your life. And so I teach a concept about frequency in the morning and locating yourself. And so not allowing for the day to take you on or over, but about how do you take control of your day? And it's to set an intention. First thing in the morning, um, I say, locate yourself, meaning locate your emotion. Are you, there's 22 human emotions, a whole nother session, 22 human emotions, seven of them are positive and the rest are negative. And so where are you on your emotional frequency and then decide where you want to be and how you can move into that is to set an intention. An intention will not set itself, um, but an intention, it's about being deliberate, deliberate and on person, on purpose, or else you're just going through the motions. And so declaration could be in the morning that my intention um, today, I'm sorry, I said declaration, my intention um, today is to do my best, be my best, live my best and give my best. That could be my intention. My intention today, it could be to focus on my top three highest priorities, right? My intention today, it could be to get up and to take care of these yummy babies and do one thing to commit 100% to my yummy babies or my yummy loves or my heartbeat in the house, right? Um, my intention today could be um, to focus 100% of my time or 80% of my time on um, my highest value, right? Or my, my intention today could be to drink um, a gallon of water today. That's my intention today. That's what I'm going to do for me. That's, that's my intention. My intention today is to get in bed by 10. It's, but it's being deliberate and on purpose. So those are all the, uh, some of the things that I do for mental wellness. Biggest ones, it's called silence the incoming traffic. And that is to manage the inputs, the audio that's coming into your ear gate, listening and managing everything that's coming in and not entertaining um, the things that are not serving you, whether it's news, media, reducing that time down. Is that helpful? It's hugely. I, um, about 15 or 13 years ago when my dad died and exercise became therapy for me, I switched this mindset of exercise was for vanity to exercise was for sanity. Oh, I and love. I've lived by that ever since. And I, you know, I, if I don't, even if I'm like a 20 minute walk, I have to just move my body from my head because mm. Kim will agree. I'm not a great, very productive uh, business partner. If I haven't, if I haven't worked out, um, <laughs> I want to also ask you a question on, um, you know, especially now that work-life boundaries are, 
pretty much non-existent. Do you have a ritual at the end of the day that goes, that helps you sort of transition out of work mode into living life mode? Yes, uh, walk my dog. Mm -hmm. So my dog has to go. And so that's a good break. So that's my ritual now because I did get caught up in the first, uh, you know, in a, a little bit and, and, a, and a few days that were, I probably couldn't help it because I had to have a call after hours, but I'm still on boundaries. I've had clients call me after hours. I don't, I don't answer at 816. Nope. And after a while, ladies, and I'm going to say this, nobody judge me, but I'm judging. Nobody judge me, but I'm judging. If I get a call at 10, <laughs> I know that's so wrong. I'm just telling the truth. If I get a call at 10 p.m. or 8, I'm thinking this person, I mean, unless something is really significantly happened, you get a pass, and I would answer. But if I get that, I'm, I'm side my side eye. Like, you're, something is out of control and off. I think if you forever work at that level, I think there is a season where you do that. But um, I'm questioning that. And then I'm also questioning now how could you why would you call somebody though at 10 like it's okay for you to work at 10 but how would you not respect other people's boundaries with their families or children their their time so yeah I know I hate it but I'm judging and so yeah but I'm not I'm not I'm not picking up the phone I'm definitely walking my dog in fact it's on my calendar now so that my alarm goes off um so that I could I have a hard you know a hard stop to to shift um, so that's, that's what great, I, that's it. Yeah. You, we talk about a lot, the use of the calendar to just, whether it's the scheduling exercise or meditation, but I like that. I've not implemented sort of the end of the day of like, I'm done, you know, we're done. This is the transition so that we can get back into the other things that we have to take care of in our life, not yeah. just work all the time. Yeah. yeah. It is easy. You start when it gets blurry, it can get really out of control. And you, as you said, you cannot sustain it. There are times, there are times that it's important. Um, and I think, you know, in any career or business, it happens and that's okay. But when it becomes the norm is when yeah. people get frazzled and burn out and start yeah. to collapse. And, but nobody yeah. wants to. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not our cognitive best for that long. So it's not even like, you're not even going to get my, you, it's not going to be good. I, I, you know, I would tell my team, usually I would tell my team, like, I'm not available after 7 PM. So even though I have, you know, you know, I've got a work day, but like seven was my, I was flexible between five and seven, but after seven, and I would say this to them, I would say, demarshal at 7 a.m. and demarshal at 7 p.m. are two different people cognitively. So if you and I, if you all said, D, can you do a nine o'clock p.m.? Stephanie would say, she's not going to do it, and you don't want her to do it because she's going to be, she's not going to show up, although she'll show up, but it's going to be not as rich in energy because she's been on since five, six. And so, yeah, if you all, if we, if we had to do a seven, I'd probably say that'd probably be my max, but it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be good. Like I just, I'm cognitively crisp, sharper. I could barely put together a, th a co cohesive thought at like seven o'clock. It's like, I'm done. I'm, you should have got that. You no, know, we feel the same way. Yeah, we start, yeah. <laughs> Those conversations get, you're like, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> we should put this down and start over tomorrow. Let's get some sleep. Um, well, we are just at the hour wrapping up. So that was a really fun and interesting conversation. And there's so much more we could dive into and hopefully we'll 
soon with you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Dee. And um, super excited about partnering with you in the fourth quarter of all quarters. It's so exciting to be intentional about how to live an abundant life. Um, we'll yeah. be doing that as a course for our community. Yeah. As always, the best place to continue the conversation is back in our platform. Dee is a member of our community, so you can connect with Dee there. You can also um, find out more information about Dee and all of the amazing um, expertise that she offers. Um, I'm certainly so excited about digging into this a little bit more with you, Dee. Thank you so much for giving yourself so wholeheartedly to us and to this conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you all for inviting me. And I look forward to seeing you at the Nook. And have a wonderful rest of the, uh, the day. Kim, Noah, I see you, Rosa. And I look forward to seeing you all again. Sounds thank great. you. Bye. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you choosing to spend your time with us. If you love this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe.